Well, good evening folks. Tonight we're going to be dealing with uh, session or part four um, of our spiritual warfare series. And uh, it's the last, well, the last official um, session. And tonight I want to deal with fighting for my promise. In other words, how do I fight for a promise that has been given me? Because a lot of people have been promised things, God has promised you things, there's been prophetic words over your life, there have been all sorts of things that have been promised you, and very often we don't see them. I know of many people who have had prophetic words over their life, and they have died never fulfilling what God had said would happen to them. God promised them all sorts of nice things, and it had never come to fulfillment or fruition in their lives. And I, that really bugged me. I'd sit down many times and say to God, God, how is it that you promised this person to fulfill a specific thing, and they never ever got to fulfill it? Did you lie? Did the prophet lie? Or what is going on here? And so, I believe that tonight I'm going to be able to explain this and show you exactly how to get your promise fulfilled that God has promised you. And I think that that's very important, especially when we start talking about spiritual warfare. And you know when it comes to spiritual warfare, we think that it's only the devil that we've got to fight. So we're going to deal with some things tonight and we're going to show you how to get your promise. Okay, let's start off. Uh, let's see where we're going to start. Okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 10. And while you're turning to Matthew chapter 10, and I don't have time to go through all of these things, but I want us quickly to, to take note of the following. In the Bible, the Bible speaks about confess. Okay, like confess your sins one to another. Okay, now the word confess, and I need you to understand this, that there are four different types of confession in the Bible, mentioned in the Bible. Now I don't have time to go through all of this, we're going to deal with one of them tonight, because that's the one that really affects us, and we need to deal with it properly. Now, the first confession that you'll get is a sinner who confesses all his sins. You know, very similar to like what you'd find in the Catholic Church where they come and they give penance and they sit down and say, listen, I've now got to have confession. You know, and they confess everything that they've ever done wrong. Now that is for a sinner. The second type of confession that you get is where a sinner confesses Jesus Christ and Lord and gets born again. Now the minute that person gets born again, they don't have to keep on confessing their sin, because the minute they accept Jesus Christ, they are a new creature, so their whole past life has been passed away, so they don't need to confess anything of their past life anymore, because they are new from that moment that they've accepted Jesus Christ. The third confession that you'll find, and you can find that in Romans, it says that if you, um, you made a mistake, and it, you know, as Christians, and you've sinned, and you've slipped, and you've made a mistake. And it says that God is faithful and just to forgive us of all sin. So in other words, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us the sin that we have now confessed. In other words, as a Christian walking a road, you are now making a mistake, you've messed up. And I know that most of you don't do that, but every now and again I do that. And I've got to sit down and say, oh God, I'm really sorry. And God immediately forgets and forgives that sin. Okay, so then I stand clean again. This is where you get the story like Paul, where he sits down and he says, I have done no man any wrong. And yet he was busy killing people. And yet you can stand up and say, I've done no man any wrong. Why? Because he got born again in the meantime. 
The minute he got born again, he did nothing wrong to man. Why? Because he was now a new creature in God's sight. Okay, we're going to just understand that. So that is the three confessions. And tonight I want to deal with the fourth one. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. It says, Therefore, whoever confesses me, this is Jesus speaking, before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Now I want you to understand something. That word, confess, comes from the Greek word homologius. And it's made up in two parts. Homo means the same as, and logos means the word. Okay, what has been said. So what is Jesus saying? He says, listen, if you line up or say the same as what I have said, then I will say the same in front of my Father. Now when Jesus Christ says, if you confess me before men... Okay, I will then confess you before my Father. I want you to see something. Let's go to John chapter 1. And it's going to sound a little bit technical, but I'm going to bring it down into simplistic terms now. Alright, John chapter 1, and everybody knows this. In the beginning, verse 1, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, Jesus Christ is the Word. Okay, so let's make this very simple. The Bible says that if I speak the same as what the Word says, I will have Jesus Christ standing in front of the Father, confessing the same before the Father. Let me give you an example. If Jesus Christ said, by my stripes you are healed. If I sit down and I say, by Jesus' stripes I am healed, Jesus stands in front of the Father and He goes, Father, by my stripes Arthur is healed. Do you guys understand that? He repeats whatever I have said in agreement with. So the Bible is very clear and it says in Matthew um, chapter 10 where we were, it says this, If you confess me before man, I will confess you before God. But if you deny me before man, I will deny you before the Father. What does that mean? It means if you go contrary to the word... Contrary to the confession, I'm going to go contrary to. So in other words, if I stand up and Jesus Christ says, By my stripes you are healed, according to the word. If I stand up and say, I am sick, Jesus Christ says, Okay, you are sick. Jesus Christ then goes contrary. He denies the confession. Do you guys understand that? It's very important that you understand this. So if I confess the word, I'm in line with what God had said, then things start working out for me. If I go contrary to it, Jesus Christ will be contrary to it as well. But it will be denied in front of the Father as what He had said. In other words, His word over me is, you are healed. My confession says I'm sick. So Jesus has to sit down and go against His own thing. He'll deny Himself. He'll deny me and say, listen, Arthur is sick against what Jesus Christ had said. So I want us to turn to Proverbs chapter 3. And I want us, we've got a lot of ground to cover tonight, so just hold on there and we're going to put it all together. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. And I want us quickly to turn there. Tell me when you get there. Somebody's there. Right, verse 6. Praise God for electronic devices. 
Alright, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Now a lot of us sit down and take that word acknowledge and we think it's like, okay God, we thank you that you are involved in my life or that you are part of my life. That is not what that word is saying. What that word is saying is exactly the same as what you would have in a military or if you're flying a plane. It means that I need to repeat every instruction that has been given. Give me an example. Have you ever heard this on the radio, on these radio communications? They'll sit down and they'll say, um, Charlie Bravo, whatever, and then they'll use the word at the end of it, they'll say, copy. Have you ever heard that on the radio frequency? Then the guy's got to repeat the instruction as it was given. Why? So that everybody's on the same page, that they know that he has heard it properly, that they are doing the exact thing. So whenever you see the word acknowledge, it means to repeat what has previously been instructed. In other words, to acknowledge that this is what was said. So if I come to Jesus, I have to acknowledge what was said, and the minute I acknowledge what was said, the Bible says then Jesus and God will direct my path. So what has God actually said? What has Jesus actually said? The Word says, I am a new creature in Christ. I need to acknowledge that. Yes, I am a new creature in Christ. And then God will direct my path. I am healed. I am set free. I am delivered. I am a child of God. And so on and so forth. We need to acknowledge the Word. As we acknowledge the Word, God starts moving on our behalf. It is not just, oh God, we thank you that we know that you exist. No, it is acknowledging Him. It's exactly the same as if I was confessing. I'm at one with the word that was spoken. Is everybody with me? So when I start speaking in line with what has been said already, I'm starting to start a move and a force that starts happening. Now we've already covered the ground. The minute I start quoting scripture, angels start moving. But this is a lot more than just angels moving. This is Jesus Christ being on my side or against me. If I go against the word, he starts going against me. If I go with the word, he starts moving on my behalf. Now I want to go through a very, very scary scripture with you. Now a lot of people dismiss the Old Testament because they say that it's got to do with the law and the Old Covenant and it doesn't apply to us. But what they miss is is that God does not change. The Bible says that I am the same yesterday, today and forever. God doesn't change. He's just given us a dispensation or a time frame of grace. He's allowing things on the earth which He did not allow in the Old Testament. If you had to go and look at Sodom and Gomorrah, what was happening there, it is exactly what's happening on the earth today. And God destroyed those cities, but yet He's allowing it to happen today. Why? Because He's allowed this dispensation of grace right now. He's allowing things to run out its course, and then He'll bring a severe judgment. He's not going to let it go forever. There is going to be a judgment, and it's just been kicked up on an account, and He's going to deal with it. But I want us to turn to numbers and I want you to see something that is really going to shock you and I want you to really get the grip of this because I believe that God wants to take us as the body of Christ into a new level. Let's go to Numbers chapter 14. 
And the reason why I'm dealing with this is because I had a huge response with session number one. And a lot of people started to come to me and said, listen, when you dealt with that part one, that thing of how to get angels to move and quoting the scripture and things like that, and people thought that that was the end of it, I'm now taking it a step further to say, listen, remember we concluded that by saying, when you speak the prophetic word that has been given over your life, or you speak the word of God, angels start moving. I want you to know that this goes further than just the angels. Now you have Jesus Christ either for you or against you, according to what you are saying. I want to show you this in Numbers chapter 13. Did I tell you to go there? Okay, jump to 13. And this is the story of God sending the 12 spies to go spy out the land. I want you to see this. And the Lord said to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Okay? From each tribe, their fathers, uh, you shall send a man, everyone, a leader among them. So I want you to see this. God says, I want you, Moses, to go and take one person from each tribe who is a leader. I want you to go and spy out the land and go and spy out the land that I'm giving you. Now, how many of you know that that is a promise? Come on, right through the Bible, God says, I'm going to take you to the promised land. I'm going to take you in. He keeps on saying, right through the desert experience, He says, I'm taking you in, I'm going to take you in, I'm going to take you in. It is a promise that has been given. And so what happens is, we know the story, the 12 tribes go in, okay, the 12 men go in, they spy out the land and they come back. So let's go to chapter 14 and let's go and have a look and see what happens here. Chapter 14... Verse 6 to 10, and I want you to read this. And it says, But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, so it was Joshua and Caleb, okay, were amongst those who spied out the land, tore their clothes, because they just heard the negative report of the ten. So these two stand up and they tear their clothes. And it says, And they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Now I want you to know something. What are they actually saying? They are saying, God promised this land, so we are going to get it. What are they actually doing? They are busy practicing a confession. They are practicing an acknowledgement. God, you said it. I'm lining myself up to what you said. Even though the circumstances might not look like it. I'm saying exactly what you promised. Verse 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, uh, for they... Uh, they are our bread. All right, their, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So even though in the natural, it looks like they're bigger than us, but listen, their protection is going to be lifted off them because God said that He's going to take care of them. Exactly what happened with the Egyptians to where they got to. God took care of the Egyptians. So if God can sort out the Egyptians, He can sort this bunch out because He promised we can have it. Are you guys with me? Now look at verse 10. The congregation said to stone them. They got so cross with them they wanted to kill these two. The only thing that stopped them from being stoned is God's presence rocked up. 
says, Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Okay, now that was enough to make them back off. Alright, they want to stone these guys, and the next second, the glory of God appeared in the middle. So I want you to know something. These two were standing in agreement for what God had said, but the rest were not. I want you to go and look at a very scary scripture now. Alright? And I want you to write this thing down, because this is going, this is the key of everything I'm going to say tonight. Verse 34. According to the number of days, this is now God speaking, He's now had it with this lot, and He said, listen, you guys have not believed me, you have not listened to me, and this is what He says. He says, according to the number of days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, for each day you shall bear your guilt for one year. So this is where they ended up staying in the desert for 40 years. Okay? Because of their 40 days, they came back with this negative report. So because they went against the word of the Lord, they got 40 years. But listen to this. Okay, the guilt of one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know, listen to this, my breach of promise. God said, because you did not line up with what I said with your mouth, I am now going to change what I promised you. I'm going to cut off what I promised you. I want to tell you something right now. We have got promises over our lives, prophetic words over our lives. If you do not line up with God's word and what God had promised you, you will never fulfill it and never have it. God will breach that promise because of what you said. I will deny you before the Father. If you do not line up with the word that I've given you and said and speak the same word that I've given you, I will breach my promise over you. How is that for a scary scripture? That explains why so many men and women never fulfill what God had said and promised them to do. Because they had spoken differently and contrary to what God had said over their lives. I don't want to be in that position. I don't think you realize how much power and authority you have with your words. Whatever you say, you will get. And if you say, I'm not prepared to do this, God, God will change the promise of you. And you know what? Sometimes He allows that promise to go to the next generation. I have had prophetic words over my life that I know like I know that I'm not the first guy that God spoke to. I know like I know that I'm probably way down the line, maybe 120. And saying, well, go Arthur, will you try this and please go and do the job. Those promises that God has said to me, I can tell you now, were intended for a lot of other people who had God breach the promise because of their own word. Now a lot of us think that when God gives me a promise, when God says stuff, that it's just going to happen. Let me tell you something, if you dare stand up and say, I am sick, you are going to be sick and get nothing from God. If you go against God's word, God is going to breach the promise that he has for you. And then you are going to see big trouble coming your way. You will have what you say. Because God has given you the authority to do it. And we see it right through into the Old Testament. 
I mean, can you imagine, just because they did not line up with the promise that God had said, you can have that land, God says, okay, all of you have to die. And the reason why it was 40 years was so that that generation could die, it was enough to raise up the next generation. And said to the next generation, do you guys want it? Now I want us to go to the New Testament, I want you to see this. Quickly, let's go to Mark chapter 5. So this is really part of the spiritual warfare. When I said that you're not only fighting the devil, you are fighting yourself. You are fighting your own comfort zone. You are fighting your own mindset. You are fighting your own mouth. When we speak about spiritual warfare, we are talking about us. Go read in James chapter 3 what a battle your mouth is. Your mouth will bring judgment on yourself. Your mouth, I've just proven, your mouth will bring you to a place where you will have God breach His promise and nothing is promised over you will come to pass. We have got to correct this, folks. Alright, let's look at the story of Jarius. How do you pronounce his name? Is it Jarius? Jarius, or whatever. Verse, chapter 5, verse 23. I want you to look at this quickly. 22. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came. Okay, Jarius. Let's call him Jarius. Um, how do you pronounce his name? Jairus. Okay, let's get it right. Alright. Jairus by name. Okay, and then he came and saw him and fell at his feet. And he begged him earnestly saying, My little, uh, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Okay, come and lay your hands on her and that she may be healed and she will live. So here he comes, believing Jesus Christ. If you can come lay your hands on him, and this is what he said, if you lay hands on her, she will live. That was the word that he spoke. What does Jesus go? Fine. I'll take you on your word. Right? Now this is very funny. Because the other on their way, and then all of a sudden we get this woman with the issue of blood. Now there's a whole lot of people pushing around Jesus. They're on their way to Jairus' house. And on the way, there's this woman who comes and messes up everything because she now touches Jesus. Jesus turns around and says, Listen, who touched me? And the guys go, Listen, you must be joking. There's so many people here. And then he goes, No, power left me. And then she comes and tells the story. But look at this verse, I like this. Verse 33. The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. You know that is? Told him a long story. Can you imagine Jairus waiting there to go and get this daughter healed and here's this woman telling this long sob story about what happened to her and this issue of blood that she's had for years and nobody could heal her and this is the doctor that she went to and spent all her money. How would you feel while she's, while he's going on on this tangent? Yeah, he's got to stand in faith and believe God and yeah, this story happens. What makes it worse, if we jump to verse 36... Now verse 35, while he was still speaking, okay, so Jesus was still speaking to this woman, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher any further? So they waited so long with this lady's story that the woman, the daughter died. So they came and sent the message, say, listen, don't bother anymore, she's dead. 
Look what Jesus did. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, He said to the ruler, Do not be afraid, only believe. Don't say a word. Don't change your confession because you had got me in faith to go and do what you wanted. What was it? If you lay hands on my child, she'll be healed. So when Jesus walks into the room, what does He say? Don't worry, she's just asleep. In fact, it was so bad that the mourners started to mock Jesus. They were so upset at Jesus because they're going, who does he think he is to come in here and tell me that this child is asleep? Meanwhile, the child's dead. We know what dead looks like. We are professional mourners. We have done this before. So the Bible says before they got close to the house, they could hear the wailing and the travailing. Jesus rocks up there and chucks everybody out the room. Raises her from the dead. What raised that child from the dead? Were the words that were spoken out of Jairus' mouth. As he spoke the word, he believed God, and God says, I'll honor that. I'll stand in agreement with that. Your word raised your child, nothing else. Even when the circumstances changed, his word stayed true. That's why Jesus quickly, immediately said to him, Listen, don't be afraid, just believe. Stick to what you started with. Don't change your confession. Because if you do, I've got to breach the promise that was over your life. I hope you're learning something. 1 Timothy. Chapter 1. Timothy chapter 1 verse 8 sorry 18 and this is now Paul speaking to Timothy as a young man and he says I charge I commit you son Timothy according to the prophecies previously made concerning you okay that by them you may wage the good warfare now I want to show you something there's a few things I want to highlight here Firstly, I want you to see it does not say the prophecy that was given you. Do you see that is multiple prophecies? In other words, you cannot run off with one prophecy that somehow gave you in the parking lot. Okay? You have got to handle prophecy correctly. There are a lot of people that are very scared of prophecies. Very scared of prophets. And they don't know what to do with it. I want to help you with that tonight. I want to show you what to do with prophecies. Number one is, go and get as many prophecies as you can get. Now I know that that might sound weird or strange. I don't have a problem with you going to go and get a prophecy from a prophet. My problem is, what do you do with it once you've got it? You see, a lot of people pile them up to say, I am now sitting on 453 prophecies. I say, what are you doing? Now I'm guarding them. Have you read them? No, yes, I don't know. There's some lovely things God told me. They do nothing with the prophecy. I'm going to show you now. You take the prophecies that are given... And you go and test them. The Bible says test every word that has been given. 
Number one, and this is critical, every prophetic word has got to be recorded. Do not let a prophet prophesy over you unless you can record the thing on your phone or something. The reason for that is you're never going to remember everything. And number two is you're only going to remember the highlights. Something that you like. Are you going to have lots of money? Yes, I like that. That prophecy I'm going to have lots of money. But the Bible doesn't... uh, You don't remember the prophecy that's unconditional. The next line says, If you obey me, or if you humble yourself, or if you do something, You see? So there's your first issue. You need to record it. Secondly, take it to leaders, spiritual leaders, and say, I want you to listen to this. Do you agree with this or don't you agree with this? And I want you to sit down and once the spiritual leaders have said, listen, this sounds real like it could be God. Are we not 100% sure? Don't throw it out yet. Just keep it. And then wait for the next time that you get a prophecy. After you've had about five or six prophecies, you'll see that they all start saying the same thing. And when they start saying the same thing, there is a very good chance that God is actually talking to you. You see, if God keeps saying to you, you must be the head of the children's church, you must be a children's church worker, and you've got five or six prophecies saying the same thing, you better start listening because God is actually talking to you. I know of some uh, of my friends and acquaintances where God has given them probably about 10 or 15 prophecies to say they must be in full-time ministry and they reject it. They said, no, I will never do that. Because they don't want to pay the price that God wants for them to do what God told them to do. In my life, I have many and countless prophecies. I mean, I don't know how many prophecies I've got. I've got a few hundred probably in all with everything that's around. I don't know how many I've got. I've got stacks. But let me tell you something, many of those prophecies actually tell me, you are meant to be a dean of a college. I see you with young people, I see you with students, I see you doing this, I see you doing that. All the same stuff, over and over and over and over again. And then in them, they will start giving me some more information or some streamlining or something else. But there's always something that's a core that is the same right through. So I want to tell you something, this is what you do with the prophetic word. You take the prophetic word and you sit down and evaluate it. If it's of God, you then put it on the of God pile. If you're not sure, you put on the not sure pile. And if you really think that this is now the guy having a bit of pizza the night before, you know, you see me speaking absolute rubbish, like for instance, you know, I'm married and he'll sit down and say, okay, well, God's going to bring you a partner. I go, no, that's not God. That's against the word. I'm already married. Thank you very much. I don't need another partner. Chuck that. You understand what I'm saying? Line it up with the word. See if you've got peace about it. So now, Paul tells Timothy, listen, those prophecies that you've had, start waging a good warfare with them. How do I wage a good warfare with a prophecy? Very easy. I start speaking in line with what God said. You see, a prophecy is a word that has been spoken from God over you. I start getting in line with this. The minute I start getting in line with this, Jesus starts coming in line with this thing. Angels start working in line with this thing. And everything starts working in my behalf. So I want us to know that we have got to start getting ourselves in a place to know what God has called you to do. You see, not every one of us, this is why prophecy was given. Not The Bible in itself doesn't tell you exactly what you need to do. 
The Bible does not know in today's society, there's nothing here like it says, I must be a motor mechanic. Do you understand? I mean, it's like, what was interesting was, we had a prophet the other day, they called out our brother over here, and said to Kevin, listen, you are an engineer, you are at night time, you are dreaming these designs and everything else, describing him to a T. We know like we know, that was a word of God for him, and about his business and what God had to do for him. There wasn't a debate, the person didn't know him. Had never met him, and described everything that was going on in his life, to the finest detail. Let me tell you something, you better know when God's speaking. I believe in the prophetic. I believe in real prophets leading people. The problem is this, is, is that there have been some flaky guys. There have been things that have, that have caused trouble in the body of Christ. And the problem is we've gone and thrown the baby out of the bathwater. And we are now going against the word and say, well, we reject prophets. We reject prophecy. And God's saying, this is how I lead my church. Even Paul was led by prophets. Those prophets were accurate over his life. And he knew that God wanted him to go to Jerusalem. The prophet said, don't go to Jerusalem because you're going to be in bondage. But God had showed him that he was going to be in bondage and everything was going to happen to him. So they were confirming that he was actually going in the right direction. You see? So it's important that you know that prophecy often confirms that you're doing the right thing or you're going in the right direction. Sometimes when you're doing stuff, you're not always 100% sure if you're hearing God properly. The prophet comes and says, listen, this is what God said. In my life, there have been countless times where I've got a lot of prophets come and tell me direction and tell me what to do. I've ended up in Port Elizabeth because of prophetic words, because of prophets. I wouldn't have done it in my own strength. So I want you to know that God wants us to fight a warfare with the prophecies that have been given over us. Now I know of sound prophets in this nation. I will bring prophets into the city. I will bring people under that prophetic word so that they can know what God wants them to do. Prophets are meant to prophesy. They are meant to tell you what God has for you. What direction you must do and what you must follow. So now, if God says to Timothy, I want you to war and wage a warfare with the prophecies that have been given over you, we should do the same. I need to take my prophecies and say, God, I call this thing into being. I agree with this prophecy. I confess this prophecy. I mean one with this prophecy. The other thing that I must be in line with, remember I said to you there was two things, the prophecies over your life and the word of God, number two. I need to confess the word. The minute you go against the word, you are going to have Jesus denying you. You do not want to go down that road. Because you will have a breach of promise operating in your life. I want to close with this. Let's go to Psalm 91. And I actually want to teach my children this psalm. So that they can start confessing this over their life. As they confess it over their life, things are going to start happening. It's a well-known psalm. Everybody puts it up on their fridge somewhere. Which I think is a good thing if everybody just read it out aloud. It'll be a very positive thing to have over your fridge. If you got it on your fridge. Uh, Look like you're smiling and saying, I have it on my fridge. Alright. Now I'm not going to read the entire thing, but I just want you to check here quickly. Let's pick it up from verse 3. 
It says, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous uh, pestilence. Okay, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. And you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand on your right hand, and it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look. In other words, if stuff goes wrong in a city or wherever it is, you will sit down and see the destruction, but it will not touch you. Let me tell you something, this is a powerful scripture to pray over your family and over your house every single day. Alright, and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. When everything else is going wrong, you can stand on this thing and say, no plague is coming near my dwelling. I am now lining myself up with your word. And Jesus Christ says, I confess that over Arthur. Confess me before man, I will confess you before my father. And then all of a sudden, everything shifts. Angels start moving. You see, this is why you get verse 11. It says, for he shall give his angels charge over you. Remember, I told you before, what gets angels to move? The word of God. The more I line myself and confess the word and acknowledge Jesus Christ and acknowledge God, God will direct my path. There will be spiritual direction, there will be spiritual guidance, and God will bring me into the fullness that he has for me in Jesus' name. So I want to encourage us tonight. If you want to get your promise, you're going to have to fight for it. Why will I have to fight for my promise? Because the natural is going to come against you. You're going to sit down and say, but God, you have promised me something. Why am I not seeing it? It looks like it's all dark outside. It looks like everything is going wrong. You are going to have this thing tested. The promise is going to be tested. The word of the Lord is going to be tested over your life. The Bible very clearly says that in, uh, in Joseph's life, it says that the word of the Lord tested Joseph. The very promise that was given Joseph tested him. And he had to sit down and say, hey, do I believe what God had said over me? You see, that word that has been promised over you is going to test you. How did the Israelites get their word tested? God says, I'm giving you the land, I want you to spot the land. As soon as they saw the natural, they said, I corner. No ways, I'm not going to do this. And what happened? God changed the promise. You get a promise, it's not going to look like it's possible. You get a promise and it's going to look like your family can be saved. And you go, there's no ways that these guys are going to get saved. Look at them, they're acting worse than what before I got the prophecy. Come on. And I want you to know, the minute you start confessing that this is not going to work, it changes. And you will not get what God promised you. So if you want that promise over your life, you are going to have to fight for it. And what is the fight? To keep my mouth in line with what God said. To keep my mouth in line with what the Word said. To keep my mouth in line with what Jesus has promised. 
Because Jesus Christ promised that I would have life. And I would have life more abundantly. Even though it looks like I'm going through a tough time right now. See, I believe with all my heart that God wants to bring us to a place of maturity. He wants us to start seeing every prophetic word that has been given over your life. How many of you would like to see everything happen in your life that was promised over you? Come on. Every prophetic word that not a single word fell to the ground that was promised over your life. Because I would love to have that thing over my life. I just want to just quickly see if I can find this verse for you. Alright, quickly turn to Psalm 105. Psalm 105, verse 17. I'll just start reading it. It says, And he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters and laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. Now, how many of you know that from the time it was prophesied over him, God showed it to him in a dream, remember, right, as a young man? And then all this stuff happened. And then there was a time when the word of God came to pass. Until then, he had gone through hell. But listen to this. The word of the Lord tested him. You see, that word that is over your life is going to be a test and a battle in your life. That's why God allowed Paul to speak to Timothy and said, Listen, tell Timothy this. Fight the good warfare with the prophecies over your life. You are going to have to fight it to keep your mouth in line and call those prophecies in. Even if it looks like it's darkness around you. You will see the destruction, but it will not touch you. I want you to know, if God has promised it, it will happen as long as you stand in alignment. If you go out of alignment, the entire picture changes according to what you have said. You see, as you, you will get to this point, as you get the victory in your life, you will see it more and more. You will have what you say. You will have what you say. I just want to get to the place where I have a fulfillment of every one of those prophecies that are lying in my cupboard. I have a fulfillment of every single word where we get the breakthrough as it's been promised. And let me tell you something, some of those prophecies will say, listen, I'm going to take you, Arthur, I'm going to mold you, I'm going to break you, I'm going to develop your character. You are going to go through a rough time. Some of us, we don't like those prophecies. You know what I mean? It's like, oh God, no, we don't like that. Just when you think you got there, God says, I'm going to break you again. I'm going to mold you again. I'm going to squash you against the wall again. So that we can develop what needs to be developed. So it's not always, you're going to have millions and you're going to ride around in near jets. God's word sometimes is, I want to mold you. I want to bring you the best place that I have for you. And we must allow God to do it and say, God, if you're going to take me through this experience, I embrace it in Jesus' name. Help me to come through this thing properly so that I can come out with some solid worth in my life. Something of solid value. Not only to you, but to the body of Christ. So I want to close with this. If you've had promises over your life, get ready to fight for them. Line them up with what Jesus has said. Line them up with the word. And just know that if you have not 
If you've dismissed him up until now, repent. Say, God, I repent of that. I repent of not believing your word. I repent of just doing my own thing. But from today, I am going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to confess what the word says. No matter what my body says, no matter what my circumstances say, no matter what is around me, I am going to confess what your word says. Because your word will bring me through in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for equipping us as the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you that we are not going to remain babes, but Lord, we are going to see the fulfillment of every promise that you have had over our lives in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for every prophetic word that has already been given over so many people's lives across this nation. But Lord, I pray right now that we will align ourselves with those words. Lord, that we will start waging a good warfare. Lord, sometimes we know that that word is going to test us. But Lord, we will not give up. We will hold on to you until we see the promise fulfilled. Lord, that your word will come to pass in our lives. Lord, we repent of every negative word. Lord, everything that has come out of our mouth that might breach the promise that you have given us in Jesus' name. But Lord, I thank you that from tonight, we are going to change the way that we think, the way that we do things. And Lord, we are going to fulfill everything that you've called us to do in Jesus' mighty name. And I thank you, Lord, that we are maturing as the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message today. For more of my teachings, please visit our website, www.fathersheart.co.za or subscribe to our podcast by going to iTunes and search for Arthur Frost and subscribe to my sermons podcast. May we be richly blessed as we apply the truth of God's word as he reveals it to us. Many blessings and God bless.